What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Be sure to hit that like button, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or a video drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Feel free to share this out as well. Any platform, you know, get it out to more people. Channel's growing and would love more people to get on the train. We're 20 subscribers away from 700, another milestone. And also five stars on Apple Podcasts. Uh, same thing for NYY, News TV, and Twin Bill. All the podcasts on NYY, News TV, and Big Blue in the Bronx. So I'm going to headline how we go about the preview show. And then we'll get right into it. First thoughts, then it's the injury report, which it's pretty polar opposite if you look at the two teams. One's very banged up, that's the New York Giants, and the other one's pretty healthy. That's, of course, the Green Bay Packers. Why would the Giants ever be fully healthy? Things to look for, actually, before that, 2022 stats, things to look for, players to watch, questions to answer, keys to win, score prediction, and then the interview with Paul Noonan, who is a writer, and much more, as you'll find out in the interview. He is a writer for Acme Packing Company, which is SB Nation's website covering the Green Bay Packers. So let's go into first thoughts. In my opinion, this game could go several ways in terms of narratives. And you know me. I don't really give a shit about narratives. We're 3-1. and one. I'm happy to be 3-1. and one. Daniel Jones is playing. All that stuff, right? So, if we win this game, I think people will start to recognize maybe, maybe, quotes, we're a real team. And I'm not coming out here and putting out my point yet because as I mostly have been over the course of my podcasting career, I'm a wait and see type of guy. I'm not going to say, oh, this on the spot and then retract it and all these other things. I'd like to wait and see. That's just the type of guy I am. When it comes to certain things relating to the New York Giants. So if the Giants end up going 4-1 and one, and they win against Green Bay in London, people will be like, okay, this may be a real team. They're building, but they might be a real team. If we lose by, I don't know, 7, 5, 3, something like that, people will say, okay, well, they're not necessarily a real team yet, but they can go toe-to-toe with anybody. They're a rebuilding team, but they keep it competitive. And then you have, if it's a 14-point game, if it's a 17-point game, if it's a 20-point game, you'll have the narrative that comes out that's like, okay, this is a rebuilding team. They need time, but they're not necessarily going to go toe-to-toe with anybody who's a top-tier division threat. Now, the Packers are obviously that. They lead their division. Uh, I believe they're three and one, and that's you know this whole thing is first time any teams going to London or any matchups going to London, and those teams have a winning record. You know the Giants last time they were in London was 2016. That was Rams Giants, and they were the away team. It's weird because they've been the away team all the time. They've been in the land, which is weird. Um, they were the away team then. The Giants won that game. They were the away team. In 2007, when they played the Miami Dolphins, they won that game. So uh, I'm not going to sit here and walk off precedents and superstitions. But they're away uh, for this matchup as well. I mean, they are away because they're away from the stadium. But they are placed as the away team with Green Bay as the home team. And I personally think that this is more of an advantage towards them. Given all the disadvantages they've been dealt. Because they're not going to freezing fucking tundra green bay now obviously it's not that cold that time of year uh you know in green bay even though they're more north towards the canadian border and all that shit um but the green bay atmosphere is so hard to win you know in that atmosphere because green bay and the cheeseheads their fans are fucking insane but their fans are very loyal to their team they have a huge fan base they probably travel really well uh, amongst the fan bases of the Steelers and the Eagles and the Cowboys and the Raiders, probably amongst those top-tier fan bases in terms of traveling. But there's going to be a lot of mixed fans in London. You'll have Packers fans, you'll have Raiders fans, you'll have Lions fans. There's going to be a lot of 
different people that go to that game because hey it's an NFL game in London you know we don't get this so often I mean they had one last week it was uh, the Vikings against the Saints I don't really like waking up at 9 30 for games but if I can watch him you know a little bit at home maybe the first two quarters and then go to work and then watch the rest on my phone I guess but hey listen you know you got to do what you got to do to support your football team and make content on them uh, let's go to the injury report, which is stacked to the brim for the New York Giants. So the following players are out, and it's a little weird that Henry Mondo is on the injury report because he's on the practice squad, so what's up with that? But here are the players that are out. Cordell Flott, calf injury. Kenny Galladay, knee injury. Uh, Henry Mondo, ankle injury. Aziz Ojalari, calf injury. I honestly thought the night that Mondo got carted off the field, I honestly thought it was like an ACL or an Achilles injury. So apparently it's not that serious. Or else they wouldn't have, you know, um, they wouldn't have put him on IR. Or actually, no, they would have put him on IR. Wrong terminology. Anyway, uh, Tyrod Taylor, concussion. Could have called that one. Wandale Robinson, knee injury. Kadarius Tony hamstring injury, and that's pretty much that. For the questionables, that's one, and that's Leonard Williams' knee injury. I think he'll play. Uh, if he doesn't play, it's going to possibly sting the Giants again. But, uh, you know, we just need to have good linebacker play either way because they run the football uh, to cover so- for some of their offensive inefficiencies. However, the players that are playing, though, with no status on the injury report, uh, Richie James' ankle Julian Love concussion, which I'm very happy about. Julian Love is a hard worker, and he's played really well this year in his role. Daniel Jones ankle injury. I mean, you know, you could talk shit about the guy. You could criticize him like I do, but he's tough as fucking nails. I mean, we thought he was going to be out. And, you know, the narrative, and it's a true narrative because he is injury prone. A lot of people say, no, he's going to be out this week. And I thought that too. So I can't necessarily rip those people, but it started looking a little bit more like he was playing. And he's going to be set to go for Sunday. Uh, Nick McLeod, hamstring injury. He's going to play Fabian Moreau, foot injury. He's going to be playing. He's going to be a big part of this defense. Evan Neal with a neck injury. He's going to play. So that's very good. Now you look at the Packers. Uh, Jair Alexander had a groin injury. He's going to play. David Bakhtiari, knee injury. He didn't practice on Friday, but that's probably veteran stuff. So he's going to play. No injury status. Elston Jenkins. Knee injury, he's going to play. Alan Lazard, ankle injury, he's going to play. Josh Myers, foot injury, he's going to play. Mercedes Lewis, veteran rest, he's going to play. Questionable, Devontae Wyatt with a quad injury. Uh, Tariq Carpenter, abdomen, he's questionable as well. And Adrian Amos, concussion. He did not practice on Wednesday, but was limited the next two days. He's probably going to play, but I would be surprised if you know any of those guys didn't play. But, you know, Either way, without Amos... Uh, even though he's a big player for the secondary, without Carpenter, without Wyatt, I mean, they still got some really good players on that defense. And if anything, I'm more scared of their defense than their offense. It's just facts for me. It's just the way I look at the Green Bay Packers. Uh, let's go to the 2022 stats. We'll start off with the Giants because they're, they're the road team. Offensively, 22nd in total yards per game, 31st in passing offense, 1st in rushing yards per game, and 19th in points per game. I want to bring up something after I go over everything. Actually, before I go into the analytics, because it would make sense in terms of argument's sake. For the defense, uh, total yards per game, 15th. Against the pass, they're 8th. Against the rushing offenses, they're 28th, which I honestly don't believe. Because last week, they held Khalil Herbert to 77 yards. Justin Fields was just scrambling. So they really didn't have a good contain. But did it affect them? Not really. Uh, And then 9th in terms of points defense. So... Tell you guys a story real quick before we go into the analytics for the New York Giants. Giants Facebook is probably more unrealistic than Giants YouTube and Giants Twitter. Giants Twitter, you'll have those people who, you know, they'll make their takes and whatever, and they really won't record content on it. Giants YouTube, obviously, is full of content creators who show their faces and whatnot. But you have Giants Facebook, which you're either... You're really extreme on both sides, if anything. They're either Jones homers or anti-Daniel Jones. There is no such thing as middle. So I got into an argument today with somebody uh, on the Giants' Facebook, as they would call it. Um, And 
you know, I don't really like to engage in Giants Facebook because once again, it's one extreme to the next and I'm in a Facebook group. So I was just checking my notifications and then I went on and I see this post. Number one rushing offense in the NFL, 31st in the passing game. Enough said about our quarterback. So I said, I'm guessing you'd rather have the Lions offense, which is first best with points, but one and three on the season. So the guy replies, you clearly missed the point. Our O-line, running back, and defense is carrying the team. I can't disagree on running back. I cannot disagree on defense. I can disagree on O-line, though. That's what I bring up. Uh, Do you see the receivers he's playing with? This is the worst wide receiver room in the league. It's funny that you say the O-line is carrying. Meanwhile, Neil has struggled, and the interior has been trash. I'm no Jones apologist, but appreciate 3-1. So the guy replies... I appreciate 3-1. It's amazing y'all keep hating on our O-line. Meanwhile, on my podcast, on YouTube, on Twitter, all I've done is praise Andrew Thomas, and I've talked about wait for bigger thoughts and bigger things on Evan Neal. Do not judge him after four games. So here's what I said. Are you serious? Neal going through rookie struggles is fine. Outside of the Bears game where they barely passed the football, they haven't played well. Lewinsky is underperforming. Feliciano hasn't been great. Bredesen isn't consistent. It's a passing league. Once Nick Gates is a starter level again, he's coming for Feliciano's job. It's not hating. It's facts. So it's weird with Giants Facebook. I just thought I'd share that out because let's see. Uh, Okay, so Green Bay apparently is that high. I got to go look something up real quick because I want to vilify something. One of my points, one of my narratives. Uh, before we head into Giants analytics, yes, Giants analytics. Um, let's see where the Packers passing offense is. It's not top 10, it's top 15. Let's go with. I want to I vilify my narrative here. I want to vilify my narrative here. All right. I think the Ravens are 20th in terms of passing, if I'm correct. That's like a general estimate, it's not fact. So 20th in passing, right? Oh, it has to be the quarterback, right? No, it's not the quarterback. It's Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's one of... He's playing some really good football right now. Let's not take that for granted. He's playing some really good football right now. The team is struggling. So, you know, obviously the AFC North is a little weird. Um, But just shows you how you could flip narratives. You have to look into the context of things. Just because they're 31st in passing offense, which needs to get better. I'm not saying it doesn't need to get better. But just saying, oh, 31st in passing offense, like... You have to look at frequencies. You have to look at all these other things before you say, oh, the 31st of passing off. It's like, just don't just go on ESPN and say, oh, well, the 31st of passing off. It's supposed to be the quarterback. No. Um, anyway, let's take a look at our uh, analytics before we go to the Packers. 28th in pass percentage, 5th in run percentage, 31st in pass percentage on first down, and then 2nd in run percentage on first down, 1st in blitz percentage, 6th in pressure percentage, and 14th in sacks. So they get a lot of pressure, they blitz a shit ton, but they don't get the sacks. That's something I think they need to change this week a little bit, tweak it. Um, Pressure's definitely going to have to be there, but not too many blitzes. We'll talk about that. Packers-wise, let's talk about the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Right now, let's see, they rank 6th in total yards per game. In terms of the passing offense, I'm going to have to do some counting here. So that's 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16th in passing offense. Uh, you take a look at their rushing offense. The Giants are first, as I mentioned. Uh, Packers are seventh, so really good running team. And then when you look at the points, the Green Bay Packers, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, the 21st in terms of points. So they really haven't scored a ton of points Mostly generated on yards. Uh, Defensive-wise, 16th in total yards per game. In terms of their passing defense, it's really good. It's third. Uh, 22nd in run D, so it's it's really weird because the strengths are the weaknesses on defense. Giants run the football really well. The Packers run the football really well. But guess what? Both are terrible statistically at stopping it. And then 7th in points per game take a look at their analytics 23rd in pass percentage 10th in run percentage 23rd in pass percentage on first down and 9th in run percentage on first down 
Fifth in blitz percentage, so they do blitz the quarterback a lot. And then seventh in pressure percentage and seventh in sacks. They obviously have one of the tougher front sevens in the league. You got Kenny Clark, you got uh, Preston Smith, and Rashawn Gary. I mean, those alone, you could possibly win if you don't have double teams. Well, too many double teams, of course. Uh, You could possibly win with those three guys. I mean, you'll have, in a scenario, this is not going to be the way because they'll probably have Devontae White next to uh, Kenny Clark or someone shoved in there, maybe even Dean Lowry. But you put uh, Rashawn Gary on the right side, that's going to be a tough one for Evan Neal. Uh, You have Preston Smith on the left side, for example. Andrew Thomas is going to you know, shut him down, in my opinion, because he's one of the top-tier tackles, if not the top-tier tackle. And then you'll probably have two guys on White or two guys on Clark, and then maybe White or Dean Lowry from the interior. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they set up these protections. It really is. Things to look for. A lot of misdirection runs from Green Bay and a lot of running the football from the Giants. The Giants are down to three wide receivers, probably four because they'll activate Marcus Johnson or Makai Polk, who's an undrafted free agent, or what's the other guy we have? Khalil Pimpleton, the guy from Hard Knocks. So it's going to take a roster spot if they want to get an extra wide receiver other than Marcus Johnson because you have to elevate Davis Webb. You're not going into the game with one quarterback. That's just not happening uh, with Tyrod Taylor being out. Then, uh, you got Marcus Johnson. So, that's two elevations. That's the maximum, I believe. And then, you have to create a roster spot. So, you likely have to send Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, or Aaron Robinson to IR. Which, you know, they want to see what's going on. And I heard the knee injury is serious for Aaron Robinson, which I hate. Because I've been an Aaron Robinson stand, if anything. And I want him to show his worth. I mean, he played well in the Bears game. He played well in the Titans game. So, uh, Shouts to Mr. Aaron Robinson. I hope you get well, man. Really rooting for you. Uh, for the Giants, it has to be tight man coverage. I'm really interested to see how they attack this Green Bay offense. And, you know, running-wise, they're good. Passing-wise, they're middle of the pack. They're about mid. But I know I kind of want to get to this later on. But at the same time, I want to talk about it now. You go back to 2016, you go back to 2019, but mostly I look at 2016 because Spags, with the guys he had, really didn't blitz Rodgers a ton. Um, You know, he just let the front four try to win against the Green Bay Packers O-line. and They had a couple of different guys, but mainstays, David Bakhtiari's one to come to mind. But you look at 2019, it was a little different, but they still couldn't get home against Rodgers. Uh, it was Marcus Golden. You know, it was a similar old line, but, you know, I just feel like the Giants, in a way, cannot blitz too much and be over-aggressive because Rodgers will pick the Giants apart in a passing game, whether it's down to Holmes, because I feel like he could struggle this game. I feel like this might be a game darning home struggles because... You know, Adoree's been exposed just a little bit. You know, he's getting used at corner one. Fabian Moreau has played some awesome defense over the past few weeks. But Darnay Holmes, yeah, he was pretty good last week. But I don't I don't know where he is at, you know, statistically and all that stuff. So it's either tight man coverage, which you're going to get either way with blitzing, or it's going to have to be blitzing. So you have tight man coverage, which once again, as I said 20 seconds ago, it's going to come with blitzing or just general blitzing. So, and let me tell you something. Aaron Rodgers does really good against the blitz. 77% completion. So, I don't know. I mean, we're one of the top defenses against the pass, but I'm just worried about our front seven with Oj being out. Um, Yeah, Green Bay, if we don't get there, a lot of time in the pocket. That's what I'm scared of. That is what I'm scared of. And the Giants... Uh, we'll get to it much later on when you guys watch the Paul Noonan interview, but he talks about how the Green Bay Packers have struggled against tight ends. So the Giants' offense could be a problem in terms of their linebackers uh, getting beat by our tight ends. And that's not something you would regularly say, but he's recognized the production of our tight ends. That's been solid. Um, he even says that they would be better 
than their tight ends, which is a stretch in giant fan minds. But, you know, you take a look at the Green Bay Packers and, you know, their fan base, they might say the same thing like Paul does. Um, But let's try to get some bootlegs going and have Daniel Bellinger as that safety net because Richie James, he has had an off two weeks. Um, You know, Darius Slain, he dropped a pass, even though that really was pass interference, so you can't fault him too much. And then he could have played the Tyrod interception better. Um, but he needs to step up. He needs to step up because when these guys eventually get healthy, is he going to be on the field? He's not going to be on the field. And then the one other guy, David Sills, I mean, he's trash. We know that. So I'm just looking for a game from the tight ends, maybe. I don't know. Um, players to watch. I definitely got a lot of them. Let's see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Yep, 10 players to watch. Aaron Rodgers buys a lot of time in the pocket. Has been sacked a total of nine times in four games, which it's about two per game. Not totally bad. Um, Once again, Paul describes later on how the unit in terms of the offensive line is actually worse pass blocking than it is uh, run blocking just because those guys haven't had chemistry and they're moving guys all around. Like Elton Jenkins might be a tackle. He might be a guard. Uh, Royce Newman might be in there. So once again, that interview has a lot of nuggets later on. It's definitely a good interview. One of the best I've done and one of the best guests I've had on in terms of these pregame interviews. But Aaron Rodgers on the season, uh, six touchdowns, three interceptions, nine sacks, 935 yards in total. Completion percentage is 69. So, once again, he completes a lot of his passes. Um, as I said, I'm not necessarily fearing of their offense, but we got to get pressure. We just have to get pressure somehow. Uh, Rushing-wise, you look at the two running backs, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones over six yards per carry this year with one touchdown and three explosive plays. Something else that's going to be in the interview, and I hate to give all these spoilers away, but like us, a lot of their explosive plays are in the running game. There is a chart. Obviously, most Giants fans have seen this week. Most explosive plays in the running game and in the passing game, we have the least. I think it's like four. Uh, A.J. Dillon, he's got 3.7 yards per carry, but he's just a bully, man. One touchdown, 211 yards. I don't care. Oh, under four yards per carry. He is a bully. He is a bully. And if the Giants don't team up against him, if they stick Tay Crowder on him, I'm going to be scared. I'm going to be scared. Anyway, uh, Romeo Dubs, he's got two touchdowns on the season, 184 yards on 19 receptions. Alan Lazard was out one of the games, but he's still a threat. Uh, Two touchdowns, 174 yards on 12 receptions. Uh, Randall Cobb, he's also got over 100 yards. No touchdowns, though. Same thing with Sammy Watkins. I believe Sammy Watkins, though, is on IR. I might be wrong. And then Robert Tanyan who had a great season a couple of years ago, came back down to earth recently with the ACL injury. 106 uh, yards, one touchdown, 13 receptions. And then Aaron Jones is also a factor a little bit in the passing game. Same thing with A.J. Dillon. And uh, one of the least targeted is Christian Watson, but it could be a game for him. And then the offensive line-wise, David Bakhtiari. I mean, he's been, when healthy, one of the stout tackles in the NFL And for the past few years, the Giants really haven't had the talent nor the scheme to figure him out. So this might be a game where he's coming back. He's still coming back from that ACL injury he suffered a few years ago. It might be time to start, you know, manipulating that and taking advantage of that. Uh, You take a look at the defensive side of the ball. A guy we talk a lot about in the interview, Rashawn Gary. Five sacks, 19 tackles for a loss, a forced fumble, five tackles of Actually, no, excuse me. I got to read that over again. Five sacks, 19 tackles, a forced fumble, five tackles for a loss, and six quarterback hits. Uh, Preston Smith, two and a half sacks, 13 tackles, two tackles for a loss, six quarterback hits. Kenny Clark, their best run defender by far, two sacks, 15 tackles, three tackles for a loss, and five quarterback hits. And you take a look at one player on defense who statistically is the best in the secondary. That's Jair Alexander. Uh, a passer rating of 46.9. He's not given up a touchdown yet. He has one interception, the only interception on the season for the Green Bay Packers, and he's allowed a completion percentage of 62.5. So that tells you a lot of short passes, not long, with the passer rating, with you know the fact that he's not given up a touchdown. So 
Uh, yeah, I mean, he's going to be one of the players to look out for, especially with the fact that we don't have any wide receivers and that the ratio is mostly going to favor the running game. Now we take a look at questions to answer. Question to answer, number one, will Daniel Jones look and will he be 100%? He looks really good in practice. He looks like, you know, he's been the way all season. So... I'm just potentially scared that he's going to get hurt again, either that or potentially they place him out there and he's not 100% in some way, shape, or form. Now, obviously, there wasn't as much media access in 2020 as there is in 2022 because of the COVID and everything. And we all know what happened in 2020. They stuck him out there against the Cardinals. He got his ass beat, and he got taken out for Colt McCoy because he was injured, and then they didn't play him next week against the Browns, and we lost that game. And, you know, it's history from that point. But I just want him to be 100%, at least functionable. I know most of, that, most of this game, either way, whether you consider him fully healthy, 50%, 75%, mostly going to go towards the running game. We don't have the receivers to compete with their corners. Uh so that's one. Will the Packers find a way to stop Saquon Barkley? It's interesting because sometimes, as once again in the interview, hate alluding to it because I don't want to give you guys too many spoilers, um, but the Packers may not be the team to stack the box. Now, they very well could, but they're not a team to really do that. Um, obviously, their blitz percentage is really high. Their pressure percentage is high as, you know, in terms of sacks. But they got to find a way to stop Saquon Barkley. They're not good against the run. Their best run defender is Kenny Clark, who can be double teamed. Uh, Devontae Wyatt is probably one of the best run defenders on their team. Their linebackers aren't very good. They can easily be blocked. And Dean Lowry is not very good in the running game either. So Giants, take advantage of that. The next one, can the Giants protect Daniel Jones? We saw that last game. He got sacked only once, but they only had 13 official passing attempts. So, Evan Neal, can you play well or at least neutralize the rusher on your side, whether it's going to be Rashawn Gary or Preston Smith? Um, I know Andrew Thomas will definitely do his part, but the interior, I'm a little scared for. Now, not necessarily the other guys, but Kenny Clark. He is underrated in my opinion now he's gotten a couple of pro bowls in his career but just like dexter lawrence and i know kenny clark's a little bit more quote-unquote established uh kenny clark is underrated so you know uh hopefully they can protect him on the inside uh feliciano bredesen and uh, mark Lewinsky, and maybe josh azudu if he ever gets reps but he really didn't get reps last game other than the fact that Lewinsky was injured for a little bit they had to shift bredesen over to right and uh you know put azudu in left who is the leading receiver for Big Blue? It's got to be one of the tight ends. Uh, obviously, I mentioned how many times it's going to be mostly focused on the running game. But uh, it's got to be Daniel Bellinger or Chris Myrick. Or maybe even Tanner Hudson. I think Tanner Hudson's been a little bit more productive and reliable than Chris Myrick. Uh, definitely Daniel Bellinger or Hudson, though. Uh, I don't imagine it being one of the receivers unless they just play zone the whole time. But... Maybe even Saquon Barkley, too. Maybe, you know, a couple of screen passes go for big explosive plays. So that's potentially there, but I think it's going to be one of the tight ends this game. Uh, will the Giants have more success with blitzing or dropping into man coverage? That is one of the questions I brought up earlier. One of the concerns. Last couple of years, we haven't been able to stop Rodgers with just a four-man rush. And then he's completing 77% of his passes against the blitz year, uh, this year. So... I don't know. I don't know. I don't have an answer for that, but I know Wink knows more than I do. He game plans, obviously. He's a coach for a reason. So, um, you know, they didn't blitz a ton against Dallas. They blitzed, obviously, a lot against the Bears and a lot against the Panthers. So we'll see what this game brings. But they, either way, have to do very well in man coverage. And it's not like these receivers are Devontae Adams and Jerry Judy, and Amari Cooper. It's not like they're the top threats of the league, but they're still dangerous if you let them be dangerous because they have a really good quarterback, a top 10 QB. Keys to win. Number one is protect Daniel Jones. Um, none of that wildcat shit is going to work if he gets injured 
And if, God forbid, knock on wood, I literally have wood right here. Uh, if Davis Webb gets injured, none of that wildcat shit is working. The Packers probably have a more disciplined team. They're a veteran team, but you have to protect Daniel Jones, whether he's 100%, 75%, In the passing game, you have to give him time. And we'll see if he's a threat with his legs this week. I don't know. Maybe some of it's gamesmanship, but I don't know. Uh, protecting Daniel Jones definitely has to be there, though. I'm really fighting against two and three. One of them is running the football, and one of them is containing Aaron Rodgers and getting to the quarterback. I'm going to go ahead and say run the football. They're not very disciplined with gaps and assignments. They got some young cats, Quay Walker at linebacker. Uh, Devondre Campbell's dropped off since his really good year last year. Dean Lowry's vulnerable. So I'm going to go ahead and say number two, run the football. I think this game is going to be about offense more than it is defense. If you're talking in a Giants perspective, you're talking in a Packers perspective, it's more about off, uh, off excuse me, defense than it is offense. Uh, and the number three, contain Rodgers and get to the QB. Whether it's a four-man rush, five-man rush, or blitzing, we got to get there. We got to get this guy. It's too many times in the past that I've been scarred that all I see is him roll out of the fucking pocket and he just heaves it downfield for a touchdown. I know this team really hasn't had too many explosive plays allowed on them, but if we don't get pressure, Rodgers will find 30 seconds in the pocket and just shoot it wherever. Overall, though, before we get to the interview, I do have the Giants dropping this game. They will go to 3-2, and 24-13, uh, I say. I think the Giants defensively will try the best they can. They'll try to pick up the defense, excuse me, pick up the offense. But I don't think it's just going to be there for the offense. I mean, I think they're way too depleted. Uh, you know, the running game will work to an extent, but I just don't think it's going to work out in the long run. I think, um, despite what Packer fans and Noonan will say, I feel like they're going to make adjustments on this team, and it's not the Patriots, which, you know, they're a little bit more better coached, and yes, they are 1-3, uh, it's not like it's the Bears where, you know, they're... Well, actually, no, it kind of is like the Bears because we're... Uh, they just have less... They just have worse problems than we do. Uh, or at least the problems that we do, just a worse extent. And then week one, who they play? The Vikings. The Vikings are a little bit better. Um, but I think they will make adjustments. And I think it's going to be a struggle for the Giants offense once again. Hopefully in the next few weeks we see some... Pep in the Giants step offensively. And hopefully we get healthy for the Ravens game. But uh, be sure to like, comment, subscribe to all the good stuff. It's not over yet. Let's turn over to my interview with Paul Noonan from Acme Packing Company, which is the SB Nation site covering the Green Bay Packers. All right, so now I am on with Paul Noonan. You could find him at Badger Noonan on Twitter. Of course, he writes for SB Nation's uh Website for the Green Bay Packers, that is Acme Packing Company. Paul, how are you doing? First thoughts coming into this game. Uh, obviously, the Giants and Packers play in London. So just some general first thoughts. Uh, first, just uh, I don't really care for the London game, just time zone wise. Um, I like my my standard Sunday to be sort of normal. You know, noon games are best. Three o'clock's fine. Anything outside of that is kind of a pain. But uh, pardon my cat. Uh, just on the game itself, pretty optimistic and not because the Giants are necessarily a bad team, but they seem to be coming in very undermanned in this game. And the Packers are basically fully loaded. They had a, a pretty clean um, injury um, list and, and they're as healthy as really you can be. So um, feeling good about this one. Pardon me while I decat myself. <laughs> You're all good, man. But uh, you are definitely right. The Giants are coming in with three wide receivers uh, one they'll probably have to elevate from the practice squad. They got a backup quarterback who's injured. So a lot of different obstacles the New York Giants will have to go through in order to win this game and even play competitively, of course, for a rebuilding team. Yeah. Um, so first question I want to ask, uh, just on my curiosity, obviously, you know, the Packers trade Devontae Adams and, you know, all that stuff happened in the offseason. How's the chemistry been so far with Aaron Rodgers and his new receivers like Romeo Dubs and, Christian Watson, how's that currently going for you guys? Uh, it started a little rough. Uh, with the first game, they had some problems because Alan Lazard missed it. He's been uh, working on an ankle injury 
for most of the year. And Randall Cobb is still a fine complimentary piece, but he's not a guy you can run offense through. So they had some growing pains early on for sure, but they've been getting steadily better week in week out as Rogers has learned to trust everybody more. And, um, he is, you know, a surly guy. He he will definitely punish rookies for making mistakes and not go back to them. He's really been better about that lately. Uh, Romeo Dobbs dropped a sure touchdown last game. Uh, he was wide open. He hit him in the hands. Didn't com- uh, control it going to the ground and, and lost a touchdown. Normally, I think Rodgers would not have gone back to him. And he went back to him twice after on downfield throws. Um, and I think those guys are starting to break out a little bit. Both Watson and Dobbs are getting more chances every week. And the chemistry has been steadily improving. Lazard's honestly a big part of that. Um, he is a reliable veteran. He moves the sticks well. And he creates more opportunities for those guys to get worked in. Um, but every week they get better. And I think that they're close to a turning point in terms of uh, being something of a special offense. Yeah, and the next question. Has the running game been a cover for any of those issues, obviously you mentioned earlier, there was a, you know, the chemistry issue and with Rogers, obviously being, you know, uh, you know, punishing the rookies, obviously you, you said he's been doing that lesser lately, but uh, you know, it has the running game been a cover for all of these offensive issues. It has. And the Packers are a team that runs the ball a lot. They're in the, the Shanahan mold. They're sort of a run first team with heavy personnel and they pass out of heavy personnel uh, and they're really good. They they do like to lean on the running game. They have uh, their offensive line is frankly, as currently constructed, better for running than pass protection. Um, they're working a few guys. Um, important Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari are both returning from ACLs two years and one year ago. Bakhtiari looks pretty good. I think he's close to back, but Elton Jenkins is not, and uh, he can go forward a lot easier than he can go sideways. So when they run behind him, it's a lot better. But Aaron Jones is an outstanding back, and. Um, he is basically leading the league or second in the league in every advanced running back stat there is. He's like over five yards a carry. And more than anything, he's actually been responsible for a lot of their explosive plays. Their, their passing game has been, I would say, a reliable short passing game. But they've gotten a lot of their big plays through the running game itself and through Aaron Jones doing that. So it has covered for a lot. If he hasn't, If he hadn't been as good, this offense would look a lot worse than it has. Yeah, to kind of piggyback on... The Giants standpoint, going off what you were saying, I think the Giants actually lead the NFL in explosive plays in the running game, but they have the least in the passing game. (laughs) Yes, I believe they have four in the passing game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I I think it's four and then something like 23 in the running game. So obviously, I mean, statistically, the Giants don't do good against the run. But last week, uh, it was just field scrambling, and then they held Khalil Herbert to 77 yards. So, I mean, we'll see what the Giants – and their core does this week, especially with Leo Williams possibly coming back and Jalen yeah. Smith being back uh, as well. Um, next question. Obviously, we talked about the wide receivers. Should Robert Tanyan be someone the Giants look out for on Sunday? I know, obviously, he had a great season a few years ago. Um, and I'm pr- maybe he, maybe I'm getting my tight ends mixed up, but I feel like he <laughs> suffered an injury at some point during this last couple of years span. I mean, what's the status on him? Is he going to be an X factor on the offense? So probably not. Um, he, Robert Tanyan is a, a, I would say, completely averaged receiving tight end. He did. You are correct. He suffered an ACL injury too in the middle of last year um, he, and missed more than half the season. He looks like he is back to normal. Uh, and two years ago, you're right. He had an outstanding season, but it was a weird outstanding season. It's not the kind of thing that's repeatable. It was mostly a great season because he caught something. Like, I think he caught 90% of his targets. He, he caught like 52 of 58 targets, something insane like that, where, you know, just random drops and whatnot aren't going to allow you to repeat that. So he had like a really high DVOA and EPA per play and stuff like that, but he's not dynamic at all. Uh, if you go to like next gen stats and look at tight end um, receiving, He's one of the worst yak guys in the league. He, he basically catches the ball and goes down. And he's better than what anybody else on the team. The, rest, the Packer tight ends are not good. Uh, Mercedes Lewis is basically an extra tackle at this point. He's very old. Can't really move. And the backups are just nobodies. So uh, Tanyan is, he'll go out there, he'll catch a ball for you, but he is not an X factor. Uh, he won't beat anybody. He'll convert a first down every now and then, but that's kind of it. And he's probably that tight end that will just, Rodgers puts the ball very nicely down the seam and he'll make the catch i think he had a touchdown last game of similar stature yeah yeah that's about right and he'll do that once in a while he's he's decent over the middle but there's a million robert tanyans out there on every team i would honestly rather have any giant tight end including austin allen than robert tanyan 
Wow. Okay. <laughs> that that says a lot. I mean, you know, coming into the season, it was weird. We were like, oh, the tight end room is going to be really bad. But then our wide receiver room just really got worse. And they were like, oh, the Daniel Bellinger is actually reliable. <laughs> Seems okay. Seems all right. Gotta and like I him. feel like he's going to be a safety blanket in this game, especially with us only having four wide receivers. Um, you mentioned David Bakhtiari is coming back from some serious uh, injury and you know rehab and all that stuff. From the outside, at least looking in, you have more of an inside perspective. It looks like the unit played well last year and maybe to start this year, despite injuries and you know ongoing changes constantly. What's your thoughts on the starting five? As I know you gave a little tidbit before how they're better run blocking than passing. They're a good line. They have been outstanding. Two years ago, they were one of the best lines in football until injuries started to hit um, some of their really good players. Uh, two years ago, David Bakhtiari suffered a serious ACL injury. It's taken him a year and a half to come back from. Um, they hoped to have him back for the playoffs last year. And honestly, had he played in their playoff game against the 49ers last year, they'd probably win the game. Um, they were down quite a few offensive linemen in that game. They were down to Dennis Kelly at left tackle, who's not on the team anymore. Um, and that was a big difference. So they drafted and signed a lot of offensive linemen for depth in the offseason. And they're a good but not great unit. Um, Elton Jenkins also suffered an ACL last year. He, he made it back really quickly. And he's not back to 100%. He's usually the right tackle. But he can play across the line. And I think they might kick him into guard soon. Because David Bakhtiari's backup, Yash Nyman, is a good tackle who can't play anywhere else. So their best five offensive linemen probably includes Jenkins inside, Nyman, and Bakhtiari on the bookends. And then at center, Josh Myers is really good. Um, John Runyon Jr. is really good. He has not a lot of pressure in like two years. Um, and that's the best five that they can put out there. They do run into some issues because Jenkins doesn't like playing inside and they sometimes sometimes get uh, kind of tricked into playing Royce Newman at guard. He's very vulnerable and he can be a big problem. Uh, if you have a good interior pass rush and they're not playing their best five, it can get home with some regularity. Yeah. And from what you're saying, are they going to officially move uh, Elston, Elston to the inside or are they going to keep him a tackle? Because so I think that's a possible X factor for the Giants. It probably is. And there's some politics there because Elton Jenkins um, is entering free agency shortly and he would like to get paid as a tackle. So moving him inside the guard, um, I think is probably in the best interest of the team, but he may not view it in his best interest and uh, may make a bit of a stink about it. And I think they have to be careful with that. So they have been a little hesitant to do that. Um, they also have a rookie named Zach Tom who can play inside and also, I think, out of tackle as well. So they have a lot of options, but they seem to just get in the situation where they have to put Royce Newman out there more than they would like. And it has cost him uh, on a couple of occasions. And I'm, if I had to guess, I'm guessing that they'll give Jenkins another shot outside uh, with their less than ideal lineup, but they've, they haven't committed to it. They have mentioned um, playing Nyman at the other side, and they've been working him out on the right side. He's usually a left tackle. So they are at least preparing for the possibility too. Okay. Definitely something to look forward to on uh, for Sunday. Now, another question, let's shift to the defense a little bit. Does the emergence of Rashawn Gary make the Zadarius Smith departure hurt a little less? Cause I, at least once again, from the outside looking at a few years ago when Sean Gary was drafted, there was not much production there, but then he started getting more playing time. And it was like, dude, you know, who is this guy compared to the first year, year and a half he was in the league? So does the emergence of Rashawn Gary kind of make this Darius Smith departure hurt a little less? It does. And I think this is one of these situations where you draft Gary sort of planning on Zedaria Smith leaving in free agency. Those plans don't always work out. You know, you don't always have the heir apparent to actually step in and be any good. And this is one of those situations where it did. Uh, he's outstanding. He's one of the best pass rushers in the league at this point. He's done better than Zedarius ever has um, since he started taking over the role. Preston Smith on the other side has actually been better with Gary opposite him as well. So the two, the duo are a very formidable pass rush and they don't really, the only reason they miss Zedarius at all is because he went across the division and has been very good against the Packers so far this year and more power to him. I mean, we, I don't think Packer fans wish any ill on Zedarius Smith. He got paid and he deserves to. He's still a very good player. But uh, Gary has stepped right in and been an upgrade. So, yeah, I don't think they really miss him. And not to mention, he is a younger player. Absolutely. He's still very, very, they drafted him young and he's still very, very young. Now, 
obviously, statistically, I mentioned a little bit about the Giants run defense. Um, how have your inside linebackers played? I know you guys obviously picked up, I think it was Devondre Campbell last year, and he's been just a different player than he was the first couple of years in the league with, I believe it was Arizona and Atlanta. Yep. Uh, how have they played? And also factoring into your run defense, because statistically I heard the Packers aren't necessarily good in that area as well. Uh, so your thoughts on that? They have been a very poor run defense so far. And it can be traced back to a couple of areas uh, on the defense. So one of the Devondre Campbell, who was just excellent last year, had a career year. Um, I think he was PF's number one graded inside linebacker across the NFL, which is frankly insane. Um, he has regressed this year. He missed four tackles charted last year. He's already missed six this year. Um, that's not always entirely a disastrous stat because if you're missing tackles, it also means you're getting in good position. Um, I, I saw, I think, Eric Eager at PFF compare it to a shortstop baseball who makes a lot of errors because he gets to a lot of balls. And that's kind of what Devondre has been. Um, but, you know, it's still not good to miss tackles. One of the reasons he's getting so many tackle, uh, tackle opportunities is because uh, Lowry is one of the three down linemen. It's Kenny Clark and Ron Reed and uh, Dean Lowry. Dean Lowry can't stop the run at all anymore. And every team, every opponent has figured this out. Um, any power attack against the Packers starts with potentially getting a double team and an outside kick out on Lowry and just blowing him into the, the second day. And it works really well. They keep him out there as pass rushing ability because they don't really care about run defense that much until it starts to cost them, which it has almost a couple times. Um, but it's a problem, and they do have a competent backup, um, uh, Devontae Wyatt, who they drafted in the first round, who is at this point more of a run stopper. So they can fix that if they want to, but they haven't really done that <laughs> for whatever reason. Their other problem is their other inside linebacker, Quay Walker, their other first round pick out of Georgia with Devontae Wyatt. And he's very athletic, but he is a little bit light and he's prone to getting blocked. And he has missed plenty of assignments as well. He doesn't seem to always know where he should be. So you can definitely run on the Packers, um, especially they're not going out of their way to stop you. And uh, to the extent the Giants have a path to victory in this game, it is definitely Saquon Barkley breaking off a couple of giant runs against them because it can absolutely happen against Green Bay. So based on what you just said, you don't feel that the Packers would stack the box against Saquon? I think they should give the lot. The Giants don't have any receivers. And, uh, you know, even if Daniel Jones does play, I, I suspect he'll be at least a little hobbled mobility wise. Uh, I, I think any team coming into this game would be wise to, you know, take by Barkley first, uh, go man or, you know, a less uh, nickel, um, not prevent, but you, you should be able to cover the Giants receivers without too much trouble, without extending extra players to do it. Uh, I think that's the obvious plan. The Packers don't always do the obvious plan, though. Uh, we saw them get smoked by Justin Jefferson by just um, stubbornly sticking in zone in the first game of the season against the Vikings. Joe Barry does not make good adjustments um, for the Packers on defense. It's I'd say their biggest weakness on defense is just lack of creativity in game planning rather than the actual talent on the field. So um, they can definitely beat themselves, and they have before all once this year. Another question out of sheer curiosity, we obviously have – discussed a lot of the front seven for Green Bay. How's the uh, development of Kingsley and Igbari, uh going? I think uh, medium. He has uh, – the Packers, first of all, do not have good edge depth. So behind Gary and Preston Smith, it's basically special teams, guys. It's like TPLA and Jonathan Garvin, guys you've probably never heard of, and there's no reason you would have. So Inagbari um, shot up the charts pretty quickly, but he wasn't competing with very much either. He did have a good preseason – He's, uh, I would say, a very developed edge rusher. He has, he has good moves. He, he is a smart player, sets the edge, maybe even a little better than Rashawn Gary. That's the one weakness in his game. Um, and he is their go-to on package plays and as a backup. But uh, I would, you know, he hasn't really beaten out very much to get into that position. So he's been good. I think we all like him as a prospect, but need to see him a little bit more. And we are kind of all worried about the Packer edge depth. If one of those two guys goes down, it turns into a major problem pretty quickly. Moving more towards the secondary, uh, Jari, I probably butchered that. But anyway, <laughs> Jair Alexander has the only pick on the year and has the best stats statistically, you know, and I look at pro football reference a lot. Uh, best stats of any corner in your secondary. Are the other cornerbacks struggling? Uh, I looked them up statistically. Like I saw two of them 
I think it was Douglas and Eric Stokes have a passer rating a lot of over a hundred. You talked about the lack of creativity and, you know, a lot of the zone, at least in week one against Justin Jefferson, uh, your thoughts on that. So there's a lot of noise in those numbers. Um, and I think it's worth noting that I think as, as a trio, they're actually excellent. Uh, I think they're three of the best corners in the NFL. Um, Jair Alexander, first of all, is the best one. And he has those ratings for good reason. Uh, he, he's missed a couple of games with a groin injury. He's supposed to play this week, but he's been out for a little bit. Uh, he's definitely their best cover corner. And um, he, he can kind of shadow guys and take him out for the most part. Now, Eric Stokes' big problem is he was charged in that zone with covering Justin Jefferson. And Stokes is a good corner but he is specifically not good at guys like Jefferson. Uh, Justin Jefferson excels as a route runner. He is very shifty. Eric Stokes is one of the fastest players in the league, and the way that he does cover guys is to compensate for some lack, lack of shiftiness by just running and catching up when he gets beat momentarily. That doesn't work on Jefferson. Jefferson just basically smoked him uh, on inside moves and double moves, and you know he's a second-year player too. It kind of ruined his PFF grade for the season. Um, after that game, he's only been targeted once um, the, the entire rest of the season. Guys just don't go after Stokes against anything but elite receivers. Um, he's quite good there. And Razul Douglas is also quite good, but a different kind of player. Um, if, if you look at some of PFF's um, route statistics, he's actually one of the best route coverers in the league. And he's almost like more like a safety, too. He's the best one in, in run defense and run support. Um, and kind of a do-everything kind of player. He goes in and out of the slot more than anybody else does, uh, and he gets sort of the medium assignments. I'm actually surprised his grade is as low as it is because he's actually had a few splash plays. He hasn't had the picks he's had last year. He had five picks last year. You know, that's always kind of a, more of a luck stat than anything else. Guys threw at him. He did a nice job to catch him. He's probably not going to have five this year, but he's a good cover corner. Um, they don't have depth after those three, and that becomes a problem for them sometimes, but when they're all on the field, or when two of them are on the field, they're, they're actually a, a very difficult pass defense to do anything against. Going into preparation for the game and just scouting overall, who are two X factors for the Packers, one on offense and one on defense going into Sunday? Um, on offense, probably Christian Watson. Um, if you have problems with outside contain, uh, on on the rush, if you have uh, edge rushers who, who lose that pretty easily, and if you have linebackers who get sucked inside, they run a lot of jet sweeps and trick plays with him, and he is um, also one of the fastest players in the NFL. He had a jet sweep touchdown last week against New England and kind of excels at those types of plays. You need to be really careful on that. Um, he also is invaluable at creating light boxes for Aaron Jones. Usually a linebacker or somebody goes with him and empties that spot in the box. Uh, Aaron Jones actually hasn't faced an eight-man box once this season. A lot of that is because of uh, jet sweep motion and things like that, taking guys out. Watson's dynamic when it's in his hands. He's had problems catching the ball down the field so far, but they're very creative in getting him the ball. So um, on offense, I would be careful with that guy. Whenever you see him flying from the top to the bottom, um, something special might be about to happen. On the defense, it's Kenny Clark, who is perpetually the most underrated Packer defensive player and has really just wrecked interior offensive lines all, all year so far. Um, he is a one-man wrecking crew of a pass rush. He's the only good run stopper um, on that defensive line, and nobody notices him because nobody notices defensive line play. But like after Aaron Donald and sort of that tier, he's like the next best tier of interior linemen. Uh, Kenny Clark is a problem, and especially if you're um, putting extra guys out for Gary and Smith and leave him singled up, that's not going to work. Yeah, I mean, I guess Dexter Lawrence is kind of in the same boat as Kenny Clark. I mean, Kenny Clark's way more established. But Lawrence, you know, as you mentioned, some of these guys, you know, people don't look at interior defensive line play other than Aaron Donald. You know, they don't look at double team rate and all these other things yep. and analytics. Uh, so they're kind of, you know, they're left out, you know, uh, you know, in terms of the popular votes and all that other stuff. Um, but the thing is also as well, you guys have more edge talent than what we are coming in with because Aziz Ojolari once again is out with a calf injury. Um, who are two players that you think the Packers should prepare for in terms of Giants X-Factors, one on offense and one on defense? Um, on offense, actually, I really think the Packers need to be a little wary of heavy sets and tight ends. The Giants um, kind of across the board – Giant tight ends have been very productive. It can be an area of weakness for Green Bay. 
Uh, that is an area, especially if you're uh, ganging up to stop the running game with leaving Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell out there and going um, heavy with you know non-traditional non-nickel personnel. You can do some work with that um, if you use the short passing game properly. Packers are not always great at tight ends. They have a history of um, of allowing themselves to be beat by them, even though even guys you haven't heard of. So um, I, I was just you know scanning their efficiency numbers and whatnot, and I was like, if I was putting a game plan together and I was the Giants, I would I would go heavy with my passing game. I would play maybe one or two receivers and multiple tight ends. If the Packers went light, I would try and gash them with Barkley, and if they went heavy. I would try and single up tight ends on linebackers and see if I could do damage that way. Um, so that's that's the way I would attack them if I were the Giants for sure. Um, and uh, through the passing game, I mean, you want to you want to run the ball, you want to run the ball first and foremost. No no question about that. Um, and on defense, um, I would really try and attack the interior of the Packer line as much as possible. Uh, they tend to to make themselves weak there. Um, in, going outside against them is a little bit tricky, but Aaron is, uh, first of all, you can't blitz. You got to generate it with four, but I think the way to do that is, is really to pick on the Packer interior line. And so the play of your defensive line can really make or break you in this game um, because, because Aaron is bad with pressure. He, uh, his splits have been growing over time when he's pressure versus not pressure. He still beats, he's still a good blitz beater because he's a smart guy, but, uh, but uh if memory serves, the interior of the giant uh, defensive line is not great at the moment due to injury. And um, I would I would consider maybe moving some edge guys on the inside every once in a while to see if I can blow up the middle more than I'm used to, especially if Royce is in there. He is he's quite bad. Um, <laughs> if you can if you can get him singled up on any decent pass rusher, it, it could be really disruptive to the Packers. Yeah, um, in terms of the defensive line, as I mentioned earlier, they're expected to get back Leonard Williams, who is a very good run stopper. I actually did not see that he was back, so okay, that's very helpful. He's listed as questionable, but he's likely to go, uh, especially with the Giants having like six inactives. Yeah, probably just. I was gonna say, I was gonna say Wondell Robinson, who I like a lot, but I saw he was ruled out this afternoon, which yeah, bummer. Another another hit to our wide receiver core again. but as you know, I've mentioned how underrated Dexter Lawrence is. I mean, uh, you know, early in the season with, you know, first one, two, maybe in three games, he's been double teamed. He's been getting pressures. But once again, people look at sacks. People look at some other things. He finally was on the stat sheet and recognized in week four when he, uh, I think he had two sacks or one sack and two quarterback hits on Justin Fields. And yeah. listen, that's a weak line. We all know it. Uh, <laughs> you, you guys know because you're in their division. But, uh, you know, there, there is possibly a chance maybe they send Kayvon on the inside, but I don't think they'll need to. As I said, uh, I think the hardest part, one of those things is, you know, in the past when we faced Rodgers is four-man pressure because you don't want to lose contain of him. But, you know, in the past, like I'm looking going back to 2016 and 2019 even, uh, there's just no, there's no pressure at all. But I feel yeah. like with the interior, we'll do a little bit better than the last few years edge i'm not so confident in but they'll probably have jihad ward who's been really underrated i've uh, been playing a lot more because he's very good against the run but we'll see with the frequencies and all yeah. that the one other guy i would maybe um make some good use of on defense is fabian moreau um and i would actually shadow romeo dobbs with him i think a lot of the packer offense kind of runs through the fact that Dobbs is a reliable field stretcher. Nobody else really is. Alan Lazard is a medium guy. Cobb is a medium guy. And you can make the Packers super conservative if you can sort of take away the deep game. And Rodgers has a short fuse on it. If you can, he's getting better at it, but if you can take Dobbs out of the game, and I think Moreau is, seems to be the best giant corner currently playing. Um, And that's a good matchup for him. Like Dobbs is still a rookie. He's not that polished. I think you can basically erase him and like let the underneath guys just get tackled. And th- that's how I would go about attacking the passing game too. Yeah. I mean, Aaron Robinson, I mean, he's injured right now. He's not going to be active for the game because he has a knee injury. He probably would have been attacked largely by Rogers because uh, he just struggles against bigger guys. And he probably would have struggled against Stubbs had he played. But Fabian Moreau, again, is another underrated defensive player that I've been saying for like the past two weeks. I mean, give this guy his flowers. He stepped in, allowed over eight touchdowns with the Falcons last year, steps in off the practice squad. I mean, he's been playing well. Yes. Dory's been struggling a little bit, but at the same time, he's kind of getting used to that corner one role because there's no Bradbury. So 
Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, obviously, pressure is important, but covering in the secondary with man coverage will be as well for uh, the New York Giants. Paul, uh, it was a great discussion. Where can people find you on social media and your work? Uh, so, uh, as Alex mentioned, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Badger Noonan. I write for Acme Packing Company, the SB Nation Packer blog. I also write for um, the Milwaukee Weekly Newspaper, the Shepherd Express, and I do uh, a Packer podcast at APC called Reporting is Eligible that posts every Wednesday. So you can find me in all those places. If you had to pick, and I, I kind of might, I probably will agree with you, actually, in terms of predictions. You think the Packers are taking this game? Uh, I do. Uh, I, I don't think it's an, an overwhelming kind of matchup. Uh, if the Giants were a little healthier, I think, uh, you know, I'd certainly think about it a little bit more but i just think talent wise green bay is just in better shape and it, traveling with the short week and and the travel i think game plans get simplified it's harder to win through scheme and i, I just think that they'll be a little bit overwhelmed in this one uh it's kind of too bad i think fully healthy this would be a much better game uh, i think if daniel jones is able to you know do stuff with his legs with barkley also back there that this is a much closer game than it's probably going to be yeah, I predict at least two scores. But uh, anyway, Paul, thanks for coming on. It was a pleasure having you on. Great discussion. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Anytime. Peace out, guys. 